Hey everybody, Blake with Marvel.com, and we have a very, very special episode of the podcast today. Uh, we were invited to set of Marvel's Luke Cage, and we spoke with Sonia Braga, Eric LeRae Harvey, and the showrunner Cheo Hidari Coker. So, uh, stay tuned. Hey everybody, this is Blake with Marvel.com. On the set of Luke Cage, uh, I have another very special guest. Please introduce yourself. Yes, my name is Sonia Braga. Any, anything that you don't understand <laughs> is due to accent. If you travel a little bit more through the world, you understand <laughs> that other people in another place, like in Italy, like he, you know, in, in other places, we do speak with actually <laughs> not accent. We speak like other languages, like Portuguese, Italiano, Espanol. <laughs> And, uh, okay, that was my <laughs> aperture, I guess. I gotta say, uh, thank you for taking the time to do this. I know you're, you wrapped right now. No, I did not rap. Oh. They wrapped me. <laughs> Let's put this. You would have kept going for, for days, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can fly. They don't get it, but I can. <laughs> How's the experience been like uh, working on the show? Well, fantastic. Let me tell you something. I don't know. This is maybe out already. I know the 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 oh, yeah, light secrets. No, yeah, we can talk about some because we'll be releasing this after the show. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing with what I have to to talk about. Oh. <laughs> Rosario Dawson. Oh my God. You know, actually, I think she is my daughter. We have to to break this to her mother. <laughs> You know, it was so amazing, and I, she is a, an amazing woman. She's an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. But what as I, are you? What maybe nobody knows is how much fun she is, and how like human and uh, funny and uh, everything. I, uh, She's amazing. She she and she helps a lot, you know. Because when when you are in the show and you're an actor that it's not in the show, you just come out to help one of the characters mm-hmm. for the description of that character, like who is she, where she's come from. So you bring a character to illustrate that. Um, it's very complicated for the actor that's not into the show. Uh, so she she was amazing helping you know with the the, the lines and and the the the, um, the substance and the uh, the um, the atmosphere of all this you know she she's really amazing okay okay is the money that you pay me cover me <laughs> is that, that, that you can cut <laughs> how familiar were you with the whole Marvel world before getting into this look. Um, I know America is in a, in a, not so much uh, into uh, uh, strips and cartoons and, and comics, but way back in Brazil, you know, I'm from the 60s, uh, good thing is just the voice. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I always... All my life, I was crazy about comics. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like um, 
you know, because there is nothing to do with this one, but, you know, I'm going to mention some, okay. So Little Nemo probably is the first comics ever to show in papers, the strips, wow. you know, and it's amazing if, uh, if uh, who's listened and doesn't know about Little Nemo, that's a, it's a little boy that, you know, always starts with Little Nemo, and then there's like such a weird dream. He's a little boy, and the the last um, square, you know, the last one is always he's falling out of the bed, saying "Mommy, mommy!" <laughs> you know, it's always a dream. And um, I always, I uh, I was always crazy about the drawing, the art, because it's some uh, of the drawings for comics. You know, it's like the art of it. It's so amazing, like mm. Flash Gordon type of things. And uh, I also always was really into 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 comics. I, I look like a very serious person, and I am very very serious. To enough to recognize the art, the art into the. Um, into the comics and uh, you know also realize something that in, in, in Brazil when I was in the 60s uh, it was dictatorship so there wasn't much you know that we could see and do but this were you know we could read magazines no problem did you ever think about wanting to did you ever draw yourself did you ever attempt to huh, I still do I never went <laughs> over this stick person <laughs> <laughs> so you're still drawing stick people <laughs> I still draw the stick people but they can do so much <laughs> like what you have no idea I have the whole story of this stick person doing things she plays things she cooks she makes sandwiches she runs she stops she cries she's <laughs> That's amazing. It is. No, it is. It is amazing what a mystic person can do. Because, you know, I never could draw. But um, but when I did characters like um, uh, in, in very serious movies, like, you know, Kiss of the Spider Woman, right? Mm -hmm. And there is this B movie, right, inside of the, the, the movie very play uh, a Nazi singer, a French singer, like all the upside down uh, story. So all my characters, like there are three of them, not one, but two of them, they are basically based in drawings from the cartoons, wow. from, the, from the, the comics. I, I gotta yeah. mention kisses, but yeah, that's the much that I know, <laughs> I, I, that I uh, that I understand and, and that, that I like. I gotta mention kisses of the Spider Woman because when you we found out you were cast, all my coworkers freaked out that you from Kiss of the Spider Woman was gonna be in Luke Cage. Yeah, it's gonna be a big deal. That movie still continues to be loved oh, yeah. throughout the ages. It's so important. Mm -hmm. You know that movie is very important. That uh, that movie was the. The first one, the first independent movie ever to run for Oscars. That's amazing. Duh. Yeah, we invented things. <laughs> but um, but you you see when you when you see a, a let's see 
I have a magazine here, you can't see, but I can. You know, we have here some uh, cameras, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, some arch here. But you see, this camera, where is this camera? You see, it's like, it is a, a close-up, it's the, the, the way you see the light, you know, the, the way it's oh, right. yeah. you know? And everybody can look to, you know, when they draw it, you know, everybody's looking to the best position for their characters, which is really crazy. You know, when you see the, you see here is look, uh, I guess it's Claire here, no? Who's this woman? Why is not my daughter here <laughs> kissing him? Who's I'm not sure. Let me see. Cage. Danny? K? Okay. <laughs> So, but anyhow, that's Luke Cage with uh, somebody. Is that cell phone that is not in my time has one? <laughs> but anyhow, kissing, and he's looking to the uh, uh, the cell phone, and she's with her eyes closed and kiss him. The two in different universes. Mm -hmm. It's like crazy, you know. And uh, so I grow up mostly watching this and. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, I guess became a good thing for me, and that it was a secret until now, I guess, mm -hmm. <laughs> that I use those characters for my character. And if you see my movies, there's one called Eu Te Amo, it's a Brazilian one called I Love You, and you see the, like some poses that's only happen in, in, um, in cartoons, not in cartoons, in comics. Did you, uh, obviously, it's well known that Rosario is a big comics fan. Did you ever talk to her about comics? No, not really. Mm -hmm. No. I didn't have time here with nobody, you know, so. Working yeah. all the time? No, because I, I came four days. This is it. In really? My, yeah, in four episodes. Four, yeah. Yeah, I came one day, did one thing. Then the, you know, my character, it's very... Uh, it's very small in in the show. It, it is there, like it's like a, a almost like a background, you know, to to show who Claire is, mm -hmm. where she comes from, where she, uh, her heritage, where uh, you know her strength <laughs> for me. Um, so my character is very little in the show. I've been told that. Don't be disappointed. <laughs> I'll I be there for you. One of my coworkers who has read all the scripts has said, though, that you're a very important figure in the series, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, it's like the narration of... It's like, you know, when you see... Uh, how can I... Because I have this in front of me. But you see a person, and this person is put in the forest, like the, the Mowgli, you know, the little boy. Okay, so Tarzan, uh, you put a man, naked man, you know, and then you have to put the forest to make the story about oh, right. him, right? Mm -hmm. A naked man without the forest, without the, you know, the, the lions and tigers and things is not Tarzan, right? But when you put all that becomes immediately, you know, narrates the character so 
My character comes to, to... You're the characters of the forest. I am the forest. <laughs> I am the tree. <laughs> I am the birds. I am the sea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's really amazing because um, when I saw the other shows <clears throat> and I see Claire, that she pops up, mm -hmm. right? So she just pops up and she helps them, you know, she helps the super. But you, you start asking yourself, why does she do it? How? Why? Why her? <clears throat> so they had a little bit, I think, to, to talk about her, you know, to give her a background, where she's from and uh, her connections and why she doesn't have a, a, a um, superpower. Mm. Maybe not, now that I said that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but she has the most important power that all of us have, that is the desire of helping people. You know, the first time I talked to somebody here uh, from the show, and uh, I say, you know, we, we all, many of us, we are superheroes, you know, because we have extra vision maybe, you know, because you walk in the streets and, uh, you know, so many people, they just don't see uh, trash, hello? They don't see homeless people, mm -hmm. they do not see it. So the people that see it, that see the poverty, that see the homeless, that see that something needs to be done, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. These are the super people, people with superpowers. You have a supervision already if you see it. That's amazing. And if you so stop to talk to them, you know, you have super years, you know, you have super time, you know, and you make it for that. So I like it. I like the, um, the, the, to have on television, not in the movies only, but in, on TV. It's very important. I'm Brazilian, I'm a little different. Uh, to, to be on TV, because TV is accessible to mm -hmm. many people. Because you bring something, some kind of reality that is the superhero, heroes, that's the accent. <laughs> but you're watching probably with your family and you are judging uh, a little bit, you're talking about a little bit of um, society, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it can go deep, you know, it can go deep. I'm not saying that uh, cartoons can, but when you're dealing with some level of good taste and well done and some kind of uh, social background and given humanity, especially the side of humanity that those characters they have, mm -hmm. you know, you can see some deep, a little bit deeper than, you know, a show on TV. There's something also that I like a lot uh, about uh, being a teenager uh, that, and 
and having a connection with good uh, with good values you know and if you're watching TV and if you're watching the kind of show if you're watching with your parents with people that you like that have a good you know mind to it you know it is like we don't have the transitions anymore from the the years when you're a teenager to adult life that's where you get a little lost you know in in it girls and boys you know um, you don't have that kind of transition in society and uh, i think this is su such an important um fact you know the diploma is important because here is the transition but it's not unfortunately everyone that has that diploma so your diploma inside of your house inside of your neighborhood and where you are with your friends it needs to get to a level that is a good transition you know whatever that is you know like uh, you know when you go to can be the church can be I have no religion I, I, that's not my thing but uh, but I do understand the importance of um, uh, you know religion sometimes when they take you to those steps you know and helps sometimes the kids and the family to get together to the next level mm. you know that's amazing yeah and uh, you see all all of this i'm saying because of uh, really because of uh, a show you know and uh, you know i don't know when this can be on or not but when black lives matter you know, and you have uh, Luke Cage on TV, you know, fighting for his people, you know, fighting for all of us in the city, in the struggle of society. It's very important. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I was starting uh, the show when, way before election time, and now became so much more important. Oh, even. of course. Mm. I mean, I go like, please air that already. <laughs> <laughs> you know. God. Let's go to Flint all together. <laughs> Water. Well, you have me so excited for this show now. I, I, uh, it was a pleasure talking I to you. I got a lot of them. <laughs> you, you, you put up together. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. This was awesome. <laughs> All right, hey everybody, this is Blake again. Uh, we have another very special guest from Luke Cage. Please introduce yourself, sir. Hi, my name is Eric Loray Harvey. I play uh, Diamondback. Um, I, I'm nervous. I was told this will be out after the show airs, but right now, not even close. <laughs> I'm so nervous to ask you anything. Um, I'll I'm say, so scared to answer anything. That's <laughs> fair. We're in the same yeah, boat. We are. Um, did, did you grow up reading comics, or were you into it? Ever? I or? did, but they were when I was a kid. They were much different than uh, the comics there are today, and uh, the characters I was reading as a little kid, you know, much different than the characters I were or the comics I would read as an adult, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, 
But yeah, I've always enjoyed comics for sure. What what drew you to this character specifically? Uh, well, the script, of course. You know, um, uh, uh, when I first came to audition, you know, I just loved the uh, I loved the character. You know, I just mm-hmm. loved his energy. I loved his uh, direction. I loved what they were gonna do with him and um, plan for him. So I was really excited about it. You seem like a really nice guy, but I hear the character's not. He's pretty evil. <laughs> evil? No, no. <laughs> he's just a hard man. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, he, you know, he's um, you know, he, he's had a hard life, so uh, you know, he's just got a lot going on, you know. But um, but he's not an evil guy. <laughs> <laughs> At least I can't play him that way. <laughs> you know, I I actually adore him. You know, I think he's a really fun guy. That's usually the best kind of role when you like get to the other side of the character. It's like everybody's not really bad. There's some good in everybody, which sounds awesome. Yeah, it's good to like you know uh, do a character like this and find like what makes them tick. Like actually, like what is the reason behind you know sort of all the uh, the angst. You mm-hmm. know, um, um, what drives them? You know, um, what's this uh, singularity of focus? And and once you get behind, uh, once you uh, understand the reasons, you know, for why he exists. You know, what what motivates him to get up every day and and do what he does, um, it becomes, you know, really fascinating, you know, to to see the uh, the good person in him, you know, that's been tainted by all of life's experiences, oh, I guess amazing. I would say. I would uh, say. Did you get into, as an actor, do you go into the subject matter of the past? Did you read some of the comics or you just wanted to start fresh or, or what? I did because um, they're not strictly following the comics right. um, as far as um, I think any of the characters, you know, in the show. This sort of um, it's it's loosely based on the comics, of course. There's a lot uh, um, of history in the characters themselves, mm-hmm. but um, uh, sort of updating it to, th- to 2016 requires uh, you know just a little more um, fantasy, you know, um, and um, and and drama, you know. So uh, they've recreated uh, something new, you know, with uh, my character that uh, it's going to be explored in the show. That's uh, really fascinating and and. Uh, it's been thrilling, man. Did you watch the uh, Jessica or, or Daredevil? I did. Was this before you were cast, or was it? I did. Um, well, definitely Daredevil. I'm not exactly sure when Jessica came out. No, it came out in November, I think, and I was already cast. So, of course, you know, I wanted to watch it because I think Luke makes his first appearance in Jessica. Um, and, you know, I just was in love with Daredevil, so I just wanted to, you know, uh, continue the trend of following their shows and... Um, just seeing their format and how they work and what the shows look like and you know it's been amazing how they can take New York City and turn it into a Marvel you know comic book you know strip it, it's it looks like it's right out of the comics you mm-hmm. know on the lighting and the production and you know so I, I'm really impressed with Marvel you know if I must say so <laughs> you know I'm really happy to be on on board and I'm really happy that they've uh, you know um, allowed me to you know to play such a central character in one of the shows so it's been fun and what's it like working with the rest of the cast I know you and Alfred were both in K-Pax yeah um, what else I mean did wow. you have scenes yet it's been a while since I've seen the movie but I mean what was it like no. working with the rest of the, the cast I did not have seen with her in K-Pax I've always adored Alfie Woodard um, growing up you know I amazed at her talent so when I um, you know, I was cast in K-Pax you know but I didn't have any scenes but I knew she was on set one day so I ran over, and the, and the PA was like, no, don't talk to her, don't talk to her. And I was like, no, 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 I have to, I have to say hi, you know. 
So I said hi to her, you know, and of course, you know, she, she said hi back, and that was it. And then years later, here we are, and I, I was like, yeah, we worked together on K-Pax, and she was like, ah, and I was like, no, you don't remember that. You know, it's like, I had one line, I had one line. But, um, so, God works in mysterious ways, mm-hmm. and, you know, thank God, you know, for this blessing working with her, because I really adore her, you know, so it's, I'm really honored, and I have so much fun working with her. And going back to uh, my first question, obviously, as secret as Marvel is, you have a very secret thing going on right now. Is, is it driving you crazy? Is the stress getting to you and you just, like, want to explode, or <laughs> what's your mindset like right now? Uh, well, uh, you know, um, I, I'm a cat that loves his anonymity so you know holding a secret or just not being in the public eye so much is mm-hmm. nothing you know new to me nothing foreign to me um something i can do very easily so i'm not really a big social media guy I, I, that might be a little sad to say in this day and age but you know so um staying off of social media hasn't been a problem for me <laughs> that's good yeah i think when i got the job they were like congratulations welcome to marvel and keep your fucking mouth shut you know <laughs> so i was like no problem man you know and uh <laughs> And because, uh, I mean, you know, I just live my life and just do my work and, you know, go to bed at night and get up and do it all over again tomorrow. So, I mean, that's pretty much my life. So, uh, all this other stuff as far as, like, you know, just being in the social limelight and public eye and events and even this interview, you know, it's stuff that it's a rarity for me because I don't really, know, yeah, I don't normally do them. I don't really, uh, no, it's not my focus, so to speak. So, they didn't teach us this in drama school, you know? <laughs> So it's like, I just want to act. You know? I'm sure you get recognized for Boardwalk a lot, that walking down the street, right? I, I do. Yeah. And that's even like, you know, a shocker. Even to this day and age, they're like, Don, Don Burnsley. And I'm like, oh my God, that was years ago. But, you know, it's just such a, a testament to like, you know, just the quality of the show. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I hope, you know, this show does the same. I mean, not as far as like being recognized, but, you know, um, that the public just acknowledges the quality of, of the show. Yeah, if you want an anonymity, I want to apologize. <laughs> after this show comes out, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wear a hat and sunglasses and just walk down the street. Yeah. Well, you know, life's, life's uh, you have to adapt to change. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, congratulations. Thanks for taking the time. It was, a, it was a pleasure talking to you. It's been my pleasure, man. So glad for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. This is Blake again. We are still on set of Luke Cage with the man behind the whole show. Please introduce yourself, sir. Hey, what's up? This is uh, Cheo Hadari Coker, the showrunner of uh, Luke Cage, and um, or as we call it, our code name is Tiara. Because <laughs> by, by the time you hear this, <laughs> the, 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 the code name will be irrelevant. <laughs> but um, it's funny. I'm, I'm actually impressed that you were able to get past security. <laughs> I mean, even working for Marvel, like when I when I tell people that this place is probably other than Area 51 is probably as serious a lockdown. It's crazy yeah like, I, our office is almost the same way but yeah coming on set it's even even crazier so i appreciate you guys letting us on set it's, no no, uh, no thank you <laughs> i mean because here's the thing it's like um i know sometimes people are wondering like why you know all the secrecy is is that important it's not that it's not important it's just that for example and this is okay i'm, I'm 43 years old so i'm old enough to remember the years between Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> As opposed to a lot of you, when you see Star Wars movies, you can actually get you know prequels through, you know the new Star Wars that just came out and watch them all in one binge if you want to. Mm-hmm. I, I remember all the years between the movies, and back in the day, you know, in those years, you you would be interested in what was happening, but there was no unless you like read Fangoria or some of the fan or Starlog or some of the, those magazines. There were spoilers, yes, but it was like. 
the biggest thing would be, oh, it's Revenge of the Jedi instead of Return of the Jedi. But now with the internet, with, um, you know, scripts getting leaked and everything else, um, I think what it does is it gets rid of the veil of, of secrecy. And so you're not able to really enjoy it in a way where you just have the excitement of discovery. Because everything, if you want it, is just there. And, the, and, and I, so I think what happens is that, particularly here in Marvel, and even with this show and Netflix, I mean, you're talking about two of the most secretive companies in the world mm-hmm. working together, which is probably, I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell you guys, they're working together. <laughs> but, but the thing about it is that um, they preserve a level of anonymity and secrecy that really allows everybody to have an individual experience simultaneously. And there's something magical about that. And at first I was like, man, like this, this is telling who, who cares? But then it's like, the more you get into it, it's great because, you know, when we, whenever we debut, they haven't even told me yet, but whenever we debut, there's, it's, there's the partial excitement of knowing that we're going to come out around the world. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other part of it that's like, you know, it allows us to create. It allows us to think about what we're doing because we're not worried about reactions to every little thing. I mean, it's... Kind of scary because you guys are either going to love this or you're going to hate it. There's no two ways about it. I personally think that we're making an incredibly groundbreaking show that's true to the spirit of the comic, but at the same time expands that universe. But I could be really wrong. I hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but objectively, I'm hoping that you guys can tell me that some of the stuff you're seeing today is really cool. I got to say, I mean, talking to you before the interview, it's definitely good hands. You know the subject matter. You've been reading comics for a long time. Yeah. Can you kind of go into your background with, with Marvel and growing up with that? Well, you know, it's funny. It's like, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm really, I just, when I, when I do things like this, I really, I really just fully feel just how old I am. Like, I never really <laughs> felt old until I really started talking about like, you know, when did you first read your, when did your first comic? I mean, I'm the kind of comic book fan that when, um. When Secret Wars number one came out, you know, the one that first was the um, debut of the, of the black um, Spider-Man costume. Um, when that Secret Wars came out, I remember getting that at the comic book store. And, like, I was nervous the entire way home because I, I thought I was going to get hit by a bus <laughs> before I had a chance to go home and read it. <laughs> like, I'm the kind of comic book fan that, like, you know, um, just the magic of it. Like, for me... The magic of the of of those early X Men um, comic books really X Men was really the first comic book that that um, grabbed my fascination like with the whole genre you know and it's just uh, yes the, yes some of the elements are kind of if you, if, as an adult now when you look back it's kind of a soap opera the whole Jean Grey you know Scott Summers thing which went of all these crazy directions mm-hmm. you know past and future and Cable and you know, Madeline Gray and all that. I mean, I mean, it goes in all these different directions. But, or, you know, um, the various evolutions of Wolverine, the fact that the character didn't even have, a, like, a name for, like, 30 years. <laughs> I mean, other than Logan. Like, no backstory and you know, James. You know, all the, all the stuff that people kind of take for granted now. Like, as a fan, it took a long time to build towards that. Um, you know, it's just so many things. I mean, it's because I'm, I'm thinking in my head. It's like I'm, I'm one of those fans that like would actually sit and think about, okay, like how Aurora's room, you know, with all the plants and how she would water them using her powers and she had the attic was different than Wolverine's room, <laughs> you know, which had the whole Japanese right. motif and, and you know, um, like how, like, 
because you know, cause I, I, I thought of the expansion as a real place. <laughs> so, you know, as I got older, I think when you start off reading comics, you, you, you're really fascinated by the storytelling. But once I became a writer and would go back to some of those comics, like, you look at things and you, and you, and you really just, in terms of structure, in terms of the storytelling, um, it's so elegant, it's so beautiful, it's, it's so much of, a, of this merger between um, the visual medium and writing. So for example, like, like my favorite, you know, um, mini of all time, really, um, and actually I have all four original comic books actually hanging in my office back in LA, so don't, awesome. don't, bring, don't break into my office <laughs> to steal my comics. Well, now you're telling me. Or my Wolverines, one through four. Amazing. Because, um, I mean, just what Frank Miller and Chris Claremont came up with together, you know, is amazing. Mm -hmm. Just, just that that whole, just the the way, you know, just it's perfect structure. I mean, just in terms of you know, starting off the whole thing in the mountain and the bear and and just the symbolism between Wolverine being feral and having this connection to this bear, and then at the same time going back to Japan and being rejected you know, for being a gaijin and then the whole backstory, you know, there's so many different elements to it. I mean, it's, it's just, I steal from that all the time because what it teaches you how to do, it teaches you how to string the story along but at the same time keep it cohesive. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. It's just like, um, there's so many different things I look at where probably the movie I'm, I'm the most influenced by is The Godfather, but uh, when wow. it comes to like other stuff, I mean, like, whether it's the Wolverine, you know, that Wolverine mini, or whether it's God Love, Man Kills, whether it's, you know, Watchmen, whether it's V from Vendetta, I mean, you know, graphic novels in particular are probably the most, you know, the medium that's the most akin to, to, to television in terms of, you know, writing, in terms of the structure of episodes. That's true, yeah. You know. I'm curious, like, you have a, a, a big background in music as well. Uh -huh. How much does music play a part in the show? Because I know Jessica Jones had a, the music kind of moved the show along. Well, see, for me, music is a function of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I grew up listening to music. Um, you know, hip-hop in particular was kind of my lifeline. I, I grew up in Stores, Connecticut. So Stores, Connecticut <laughs> is about... The hip-hop capital of the world. Yeah, really, yeah. It's pretty much like one of the... Well, at least when I was there, this is this is before you know the UConn became a center of basketball. I mean, it was like, <laughs> we were the doormat of the Big East. I mean, you know, Villanova, like all these teams would come, to, you know, come to stores to get an easy win um, back in the day. And so it's like, I mean, it's also one of the places where, where, where cow tipping was invented. So it's about <laughs> as far, so so it's about as far away from hip hop culture as possible. But for me, you know, when my cousins came from New York City. And would drop like tapes that they recorded off the radio from, you know, the cool DJ Red Alert show or Mr. Magic on BLS. Like those tapes became my lifeline, and I just learned so much about hip hop culture that I became obsessed with it, almost as obsessed as I was with comics. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I had the opportunity to write for the Source and for Vibe and other places, and actually interview people like Notorious B.I.G., like Guru from Gangstar and Premier and um, even meth and people like that was the crazy thing about last about this last week when we had a lot of people I'm not probably revealing secrets that um, are going to be on the show. They they've been friends of mine for twenty years. Wait, meth? Yeah, 
That's I, a dream of his. Like, oh man. So he was he was ecstatic. Like I mean, it was it was one of those things where it was perfect, you know. Um, so this show itself has a musical pulse. Um, you'll notice when the show comes out, every episode is named after a different Gangstar song. That's awesome. And the reason for that was um, when I first pitched the show, I was really nervous. And um, I wanted the job badly because I was just, I mean, the, the opportunity to tell Luke Cage and, you know, I didn't want to come in and say, okay, this is kind of what I'm thinking about. I wanted to come in and, you know, it was one thing to, to meet like one of my personal heroes, Jeff Loeb. I mean, it's like, I mean, come on. It's, 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 it's like from a combo equivalent of like pitching Mick, Mick Jagger, a television show. It's like, you, just, yeah. you know, Jeff is, is, if you don't know Jeff's work, he's absolutely amazing. So, um, when I went in to meet with Jeff and Kareem Zrike and, you know, the Marvel powers that be, I wanted to be as comprehensive as possible. So what I did was I laid out 13 episodes in my head. And so because I come from writing about music and I think of in structure in terms of albums, I said, let me just try to find as many titles as I can, just dozen, random titles. And let me see if from these random titles with these weird names like Soliloquy of Chaos or Moment of Truth, can I fit a story thematically ended that will fit these titles and if I can basically do 13 of those then it's really like an album and so really the thing is is that like if you look at how the structure of, of the show um, binge watching is really the equivalent of from my youth of what it was like when Prince put out a record or Public Enemy or De La Soul where you would go home you would lock the doors and you would put your headphones on turn the lights out and listen to the entire record I know it sounds really weird but like you wanted to just basically get into the world of the record and you experience it for the, for the first time all the way through and then play it again. And that's really how people watch these shows now. And so because now when you use your phone and download any record in five seconds, all that shit, it's like people have lost that magic with the exception of these shows. So what I realized in terms of this new medium is that this is kind of like a mix between a graphic novel and an album. And so why not structure it like that? Why not use that impulse to each three episodes is a movement each you structure it so, so each fourth episode is a twist and so that's kind of how the whole thing came together so there's definitely a strong musical influence hip-hop r&b jazz but it's also has a certain rhythm to itself i mean so we're also equally as influenced by the history of harlem by new york um what i always said about this in terms of even pitching the show is that i wanted it to be or actually what I said is that it's the real world but the powers belong to Marvel. And that's really what's always been the difference between Marvel comic books and any other comic universe is that, you know, Wolverine watches The Godfather. <laughs> if he, I mean, he could. Because his fictional universe is just, it dovetails right into our real universe. So even if we got into the competition between Marvel and DC... You know, Marvel superheroes live in the real world and read DC comics. That's awesome. It's the way it's the way that I put it. So I had a, here's one question I had. So I, I realized that um, you've worked with Simone's husband Dorian. before. Yeah. So have you? Did, were you familiar with each other before she was cast for well, the role? It's funny because Dorian is part of the um, the Southland clique. The Southland clique was really precious to my heart, but the Southland was the first TV show I was on, and it's really where I learned. Not only how to you know how to write character, but how to really write for actors that could take you to another level. Whether it was Dorian, 
Missick, whether it was Regina King, whether it was Michael Cudlitz, whether it was Sean Hattesey, Ben McKenzie, C. Thomas Howell, each of them had their own powers. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that was my X-Men experience, writing for that show, because they were just all so amazing. But also, the great thing about them is, like, I haven't been with a cast since that, like this cast, so cohesive. Where they're, when, when the cameras stop rolling, they're still hanging out, they're having fun. <laughs> and there's so much chemistry, there's so much chemistry on Southland. It's really the same kind of chemistry that um, we have with this. And what's funny was that, um, you know, Dorian was somebody that, he's, he's, he's been a friend of mine for a long time. Um, and so when I would see Simone, it would be like you occasionally run into Dorian at a party and then you, you meet Simone. And what was interesting was the last time, this is really funny, Michael Cutlitz, who everybody knows now from Walking yeah, Dead. Abraham. Is, yeah, is Abraham. Oh, yeah. Okay, this sounds so Hollywood. But, <laughs> but, but My friend Michael Cutlitz. But, but, but I've known Mike forever because this is how it happened. Was Mike threw a birthday party. And so we're at Midas House in Sherman Oaks. You know, um, Ben McKenzie was filming Gotham, so he, so otherwise he would have been there. Because that, that's how tight they are. Well. So Sean Hattesey comes in, you know, um, you know, all of a sudden Dorian's there and then he brings Simone and so we're talking and I'm kind of already saying to, to, to these guys like you know what's what's going on because I'm you know I have this opportunity with Marvel coming up I can't really talk about it but you know these things are happening so we have to see you know fact because I was talking about it to, to Cutlets because Michael is also a director and I was hoping that maybe season one he could possibly uh, yeah. direct it up. But he's, he's, he's so busy in Walking Dead World there's just no way. Yeah. And had to see somebody that wanted to approach about a couple of different roles and just, you know, just, just friends. And the, the funny thing about it was that um, when it came time to audition, Dorian ended up doing, you know, an audition and Simone was reading the other part. And then when it was the reverse, Simone did her part and Dorian um, read the other part. So it was kind of, that was kind of funny. But just immediately from the first audition, you were just like, wow. <laughs> to the point where it was like, it was almost, it was like, wait, wait, what? And, you know, and then boom. And it wasn't just the fact that, you know, I'd known her a little bit, but it was just, I was just blown away by the audition as we all were. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's really been the most incredible part about this entire process is that um, you're seeing actors expand in ways that you haven't really seen them before. Um, and it's, it's not really the, the dearth of, of these kinds of roles for African-American actors as much as it is each of these roles has different demands. And so what's been the fun part about writing for all these actors is that no matter how big or small their role is in the episode, they bring it 100%. So it keeps us as writer and producers incredibly honest. And that's why I think this is the kind of show that, you know, if we capture this magic, which it feels like we're doing, I, I, I'm just really excited for fans to see it. It's, I mean, you mentioned in that the cast is really cohesive. It seems, I mean, I've been on a number of sets before, and like you can tell there's certain vibes that come across. It seems like as much as this is Marvel and it's all secret, there's a good chemistry for even the crew, too. And that's got to be partly, mainly your... You're doing, I would assume. Well, no, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, I was blessed with, all over the place. I was blessed not only with having an incredible writing staff between myself, Charles Murray, Christian Taylor, Jason Horwich, Kayla Cooper, Ida Kroll, Nathan Jackson, Matt Owens, um, you know, 
all of us together in addition to, you know, executives that just get it. You know, everyone from Creamsreich and Tom Lieber and Jeff and Jim Corey and Samantha Thomas and Joe White and just people that, you know, Devin Quinn, you know, all these different people from all these different, you know, um, Tommy Paul. Here's the thing. Marvel has a team approach. We have a team approach. And then when you combine that with the Netflix side in terms of, you know, Allison and Chris and, um, and Allie, you have, yes, there are times when it's challenging to have that many cooks in the soup. <laughs> But at the same time, when you end up coming up with something special because you have all this so much quality control and everybody's in love with the material, then and we're coming up with stuff that they're falling in love with, there's a certain enthusiasm. So as a result, because the scripts, you know, through all the different processes, I think came out well, we were excited, the actors were excited, and the crew was excited because because the crew the crew always knows. Mm-hmm. I mean, trust me. If you want to know how good or bad something is, don't talk to an actor. Talk talk to the guy holding the boom because they'll they'll tell <laughs> yeah. you they'll, they'll be like like you know they'll, they'll, and they're just cold. They'll be like, oh, this works. Or they'll be like, man, this is this, is, this sucks. <laughs> and luckily from for, for us, I mean, from top to bottom, all the way from you know the transport guys all the way to craft service, like no matter you hear everything and and all the thing is like, oh my god. Everyone's having so much fun doing this. Mm-hmm. And so it's scary a little bit because sometimes when you're having a lot of fun, I mean, you, you come up with something great. Sometimes you, you might come up with something that sucks. But at the very least, I feel like everybody has bought into the concept and they believe in it. And so all I know is that no matter what, we're leaving it all in the field. I hope somebody likes it, you know. But I'm confident that at the very least, someone besides my mom and a few members <laughs> of my family will, will tune in, you know? For, uh, I asked Mike this, but I mean, we've had a number of like actors come by the office that aren't really part of Marvel, and so a lot of them said they wanted to be Luke Cage. Were you involved in any of the process of, for casting that, or are you just like, he comes along, and he's perfect for the role, obviously, everybody knows that, but... Well, um, I would give um, Melissa from Jessica Jones... Mm. Um, the you know their showrunner she you know she was really the person that cast Luke. Um, I was when I came on I was I had like a I wouldn't not really vote semi vote, but the second I saw Mike I was right. like I re- I don't know I don't know who you guys are, I I can't believe the internet, but of the guys that you put in front of me like this guy there's a, there's something about this guy that's really cool and he just seems to you know be the character. And also, particularly if you look at the at the at the Brian Michael Bendis run on, on Luke Cage, he looks the most like the drawn character. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that was just kind of uncanny. Like, what did you draw this guy? <laughs> and then you meet him, and he's just and he's warm, and he's cool, and he's funny. But at the same time, you know, can also bring the brawn. I mean, you know, it's like he's he's the perfect balance of all. And that's the thing that you hope for in a lead is that they can take anything you throw at them and they can throw it back. And do it in such a way where not only is it as good, if not better, than what you imagined, but when the camera stopped rolling, you you still want to hang out with them, you know. Because what's great about Mike is that, um, you know, he's not driven by angst, he's not driven by rage. There are no things bubbling underneath the surface that that that, that push him. Not saying because trust me, there's some intense actors that are <laughs> that use that channel that are great, but. It's just not that kind of party because ultimately he's a family man, he's funny, and from top to bottom he treats everybody the same way. And when you have somebody like that 
installing the culture of your show, I think to answer your initial question, that's why everyone's having such a good time because, you know, it's the same, it's like any other marriage when, you know, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and in this case with Mike, not that Mike is mama, but like, you know what I mean? It's just like, he, he took the role of being the number one on the call sheet seriously. Not that he's like pushy about being leader. I mean, he's not, he's not Cyclops. But at the same time, it's like, just in setting in an atmosphere where everybody wants to come ready to work and enthusiastic, I mean, just from top to bottom, he's been incredible. That's awesome. My last real question uh, is like, what uh, fans have been asking us on Twitter and everything, like what, what's kind of the, you mentioned kind of the vibe of the, the show, but like, is there gonna be like some backstory stuff? Is it gonna lead into this? Is it gonna, like, what can you say without getting fired? Oh, I, I can't say shit. I, <laughs> I mean, all right. I'll give you the high concept pitch. All right. This is what I pitched. I said, when they were, when I first had to go in and pitch the show, I said, I want the show to be City of God Meets Belly, as written by the writing staff of The Wire. Whoa, he sold me on All right. And that was my essential high concept take. And they were like, well, okay. <laughs> and so what I mean by that is, like, the same way the City of God, if you see that movie, it's a incredible movie is a movie that's filled with culture and texture and has a different feel visually in terms of just the music and the character and the depth of character and the different types of storytelling structure. That's a huge influence. Belly, you know, of course, is, for better or for worse, one of the ultimate hip-hop movies. I mean, I've known Hype Williams for years and he just has kind of a stark vision. You know, even though people love and hate that movie, it's, it's the one thing you can say about it, it's wholly unique. Mm -hmm. um, and The Wire, what I love about The Wire, I mean, The Wire is the only television show that even though I've seen it, you know, all five seasons, I watch The Wire episodes one through 60 once a year. Wow. And, but the reason I love The Wire is it's just, it's the detail. It's, it's, the, it's the nuance. It's the, the different character perspectives. It's the fact that it's able to mix politics and social issues in a way that's entertaining and never feels preachy. These are all things that we explore on Luke Cage. We're able to look at what would happen if you had a hero who's bulletproof. And because of that, once you take that away, you know, think of how many different hip hop heroes, think of how many different civil rights heroes were felled by bullets. If you're bulletproof, what kind of change would you make in your community? What would the effect of that be? Just being around. And the fact that he, that he doesn't have a mask. It's very personal. You know, you, 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 you can find him. You, you can talk to people that knows where, you know, where he is. I mean, the analogy I would make is like perfect example, like knowing Notorious B.I.G. I mean, Biggie lived at 226 St. James Place. He lived right near the, um, the train stop on Fulton Avenue. So there was a time, period of time, early on in his career, if you can go to Fulton, you can go right by the train, you'd be like, yo, where's Big? Somebody can tell you where he is. And you can go right to his block, knock on the door. So when, so when Big would say, same number, same hood, it's all good, that was real. Like, the first time I interviewed him was right on, on, on his stoop. He was, they used to call him the mayor of St. James, of, of that street. And so Luke Cage is similar from the standpoint that he's a hero that if something's happened, you know that you know somebody, hey, where can I find Luke Cage? And that's kind of one of the things that we wanted to do that really made him a unique character from the standpoint of 
the accessibility. Because if you look at the defenders of New York, if you look at the Daredevils, the Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, the Iron Fist, if you go back to that old premise, it's the nature of having heroes that the average person can look out for, the average person can, can touch, the average person can talk to. I mean, the Avengers, of course, that's more like United Nations type of stuff, so they're on a much higher level. Not that I'm denigrating our characters, but our characters are more street level. Our and so for television, because you have more time, you can really explore the textures of what that would mean. Um, the thing I love about Luke Cage, honestly, is that he's the only Marvel superhero that you can market without revealing plot at all. Like... If I say that he's bulletproof, he's fly, he likes music, I've told you everything about our show <laughs> and absolutely nothing. And so that's what's cool about it is that like, I feel like we have the opportunity for people to be like, oh my God, this is just great. Like, this is interesting. Like, when we start dropping our trailers, when we start dropping you know, the things that we, our musical guests, when we start you know, getting into some of the other stuff we get into, I think people are gonna begin to get really excited and I'm just hoping that, you know, like any trailer, that as much excitement as we have, that when you finally look at the final product, you're equally as excited at the very end. When I think about having had the opportunity to work with, uh, with Jeff Loeb and with, um, you know, Joe Casada, as well as Dan Buckley, what's been great is that this is a comic book fan. You see these names on the masthead. And... I come from the hip-hop side of, you know, having been around the Notorious B.I.G. and, you know, at the same time, Snoop and all these kind of hip-hop luminaries because I was writing during the golden age of hip-hop, mm -hmm. really, the, the latter golden age, which I would say was when I was writing from 1992 through 1997. And you worked for all the bigs, too, like Vibe yeah. and Rolling Stone and all those. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I had an incredible career in, in terms of that, and just great opportunities. But here's the thing, it's like you're doing that, and so I can tell you how to like freelance and how to get on writing about hip-hop, but I read comic books and it's all magic to me, so I'm like, to even get to meet, <laughs> you know, a Joe Quesada or a Jeff Lowe, or to be lucky enough to be the, the person in line at Comic-Con and get the <laughs> comic signed, yeah. and let alone it's like, you know, you get phone calls and emails and, you know, and notes and to talk about story. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I'm not going to front. Marvel is a unique place to write for because they're so opinionated. And I say that for the better and for worse. Mm -hmm. um, because the opinions are so strong. At times, you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, why can't I do this or why can't I do that? But then you begin to understand that the success of the company comes from the fact that it's not corporate bean counting. It comes from a real place because you're dealing with people that have drawn these things, that have written these things, that are so deep inside the character that even though they're expanding their view of the character, they know things about it that you don't. And so part of the challenge and part of the success of the process is that, and I think you know what fans love about Marvel is, to me, Marvel as a brand is the equivalent of what Def Jam used to be. Because you could go to a record store at some point in the late 80s, up until like 97, 98, and if you saw it came out on Def Jam, 
there was a 95% chance you were going to like the record. Because Leo Cohen and Russell Simmons and all these guys, I mean, the reason I mentioned Leo before Russell is not, trust me, it's, just, it's all about Russell, but Leo was the person that said, is it good for the logo? I mean, he looked at Def Jam much the same way that the NFL thinks, you know, you, you hear about the Shield or, you know, he looked at that about saying, okay, is this record good for the logo? Does this represent Def Jam? You know, and that's kind of the same way it is with Marvel. It's just like all the decisions, whether it's from the television side or the feature side, because there's so much importance behind that. I think that's why the quality is so high, you know, um, and here it is. I mean, you know, of course, of course, you have other things that are more irreverent, like, you know, like, like Deadpool, which makes fun of everything, including Marvel. But at the same time, it's like the reason people are going in, because when they saw that Marvel rubber stamp, even though, you know, it's kind of outside, at the same time, there was, they knew that there was some quality there. And so I think even though things can sometimes be touch and go, particularly on the, te on the television side, like, it's been great because of the fact that, you know, Daredevil for us was really the, the first one that really was the line in the sand because it really said that you can do a dramatic television series that you can match the quality of anything else out there, but at the same time stay true to the comic. Because anyone that, you know, that, has, that, that read Frank Miller's run on the comic, or read Joe Casada's run on the comic, knew how deep the themes of that comic were, and this, Television is the perfect medium for that translation. Um, you know, what Melissa and company did with Jessica Jones, it's another thing. Because not only did it expand um, the depth of character of the storytelling, it also, for women, you know, opened up new lanes because you don't really realize as a male comic book reader how sexist you are. Because, you know, when, when you look at how women are drawn and everything else, right. and spandex and everything, and all, you know, boobs and everything else, I'm not, trust me, nothing wrong with that. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, you know, you look at it through a very young male geeky perspective, as opposed to women who want a heroine from a standpoint of somebody that, you know, has experienced things from their perspective. And that's something about that show hit that you know in ways that I don't even think Marvel anticipated mm -hmm. and so I think the thing about Luke Cage is interesting is that um, you know it's not that we're hitting elements of the black experience that have never been you know that, 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 that never happened I mean because of course The Wire does exist and there are other shows and other films that have kind of done similar things um, and of course on the comic book level I mean there are also been great stories, but I think what makes us unique is that we're, we're really merging both worlds. I mean, this is the hip-hop interpretation of Marvel. And, you know, that's the thing that's really interesting is that, like, we're able to, I think, be very, um, you know, respectful of the brand, respectful of the character, but then at the same time introduce stuff that's happening, you know, now, some of the politics. But we do it in a way where it's interesting. It's not just wagging a finger or throwing up a protest sign. It makes people think about what's happening. Um, and I think that's really our, our challenge is really to make sure that we provide a certain level of depth, but at the same time, keep things fun. And um, what's been great about all these different episodes is that there are laugh moments, but there are also moments that are like, wow, that's, 
I, I wasn't expecting that. And I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's we've had such a great opportunity uh, to do that. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm sick of secrecy. I want people to see it. I, I want people to talk about it. I want to get in Twitter battles. I want to argue about stuff. <laughs> you know, um, I want to. I, I can't wait to see love or hate what people think about what we've done and because you know this is a show that thrives on um you know interactivity you know so it's like i i just can't wait to really see what people think wait are you on twitter not really i tried to find you on there and i couldn't uh... i mean because i like honestly i'm, I'm more of a, like i'm old i'm, I'm more of a facebook guy <laughs> so you're gonna get facebook battles yeah pretty much yeah. i mean like i like at some point, because I'm going to have to, I'm going to, my Instagram, my Twitter, it's all going to become one big feed. <laughs> and it's going to be interesting because, um, you know, so much is happening in the world of politics, so much is happening in the world of music. And the show touches on all that. So, like, I just think it's going to be interesting just to see how people react, whether they freak out about certain things, whether they love things, whether they hate things. You know, just to be able to talk about it is really I think the most exciting part of the process. I mean, in, in addition to like, hey, I mean, to, to run a show and to be able to work with a, with a lot of friends, to make new friends, you know, from all aspects, you know, both in front of the camera, and behind the camera. I mean, it's it's just it's it's all, it's all encompassing, but it's been you know really one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Beyond not even career, it's life in general. I mean, it's wow. I wanted to ask. I was asking Eric this earlier. Like, how hard is it to keep all this stuff in? It's got to be driving you crazy. Like, you just want to tell everybody everything. But. Well, you know what's funny? It was like, um, this is where you learn the power of Marvel. You know, I I start pitching and eventually get the opportunity to, to, to write the you know the pilot in the second episode and really become the showrunner of the show. I want to say, like, that process started, like, um, September, October 2015. It wasn't official really until January 2015. I, no, I'm sorry. I apologize. It was actually, um, I started pitching and doing all that stuff, I want to say um, October, November. No, I'm sorry. I had, I had months right. This, this, this is where my head is. <laughs> because right now, the reason I sound so frazzled is that we start shooting episode 13 tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm thinking about episode 13 at the same time. We are right now on stage shooting the bottom of episode 12. Um, so between the table read and writing dialogue, little tweaks that happen, all of, you know, this, that's what my head's like. I gotta, I gotta watch a cut of episode 10 tonight. I mean, these are glamorous problems, but my, <laughs> my, my, my head is, is frazzled, so I'm a little all over the place, so forgive me for that. But what I meant to say is that, now I'm focused. The process began for me, I wanna say, September, October 2014. Um, wasn't official until January 2015. And so then, you, you know, you go to the Marvel office and you sign the confidentiality agreement and you have, like, your, you know, your writing and you're coming up with stuff. And it's just like, man, I can't, I want to tell people so bad what I'm working on. I can't do it. I can't do it yet. Then you write the first and second episodes. And then all of a sudden you start talking about it, building the writing staff and who's going to direct the pilot and all that stuff. And then it, becomes, it slowly becomes real. And so when, when we made the announcement, I think it was March of 2015, just the deluge of emails and um, mentions on social media. It was so overwhelming 
that it made me say like you know it went from being like oh my god I can't wait to announce it you know what I'm, I'm not saying shit for like <laughs> until this thing comes out because people are so when it comes to Marvel man good god people are the, the fan base is just so and I, I hate to characterize y'all rabid <laughs> that's the truth yeah. I, I mean you know a simple Marvel press release boom it has ripple effects and so that was the thing I learned about, just like, just be very careful what you ask for. Um, so to answer your question, as exciting as it was, it was kind of overwhelming just the level of attention. So for me, it was like, let me go back into the box of writing and creating the show in secret. And then of course, when we have something to actually show people, it's different. So of course, I'm very excited to show the show and to hopefully go around the world and talk about it. But I definitely have to create in the bubble because that's why in some ways you begin to crave, you know, being in secret because then you don't have to, if we were basically putting out our plot lines and having people comment on them and what's this and what's that, I mean, we'd be running in circles because there, there is going to be a segment of fan that would like us to just do the 70s run of Luke Cage, have him wearing yellow and the tiara. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there are all those people that would want us to do the, um, the other interpretation of Cage, like comic book, when he had the scully in, 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 in the teeth and, you know, every other word was curse word and it was real kind of hard, like, you know, the, the Max version of, of, um, of Luke Cage. There are some people that really would want us to just do really a looser interpretation of the character that, that appears in the Alias comic and also appears in Jessica Jones. Um, our take on Luke is slightly different. That's awesome. You know, um, we, of course... Um, expand from Jessica Jones but we do it in such a way where we're able to kind of carve out our niche for the show so as much as, Jess- as much as Jessica featured Luke you still should watch our show and I mean that from the standpoint of don't feel like, like okay well I've already seen this character yeah I like it with Jessica but you know it's going to be the same vibe it's different and so I think that's what's really cool about it what's really cool about all these shows is that we each come together the same way that as creators, like, you know, I'll hang out with Doug and Marco and, and you know, we all know, we, we all kind of talk about stuff, but then also, and, and our characters are separate, but at the same time, it's like, you know, there's a kind of fun competitive thing going. I mean, it, I would like it to Pixar. I mean, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, all those guys that were working in one office on Daredevil, you can go by there. And when the Jessica Jones writer's room is open, you can hang out there. And then our room is open. We all kind of run into each other in the halls. We talk about things. And um, it's fun. And we just push each other in really good ways. And the, and the character um, expands in, in each series. So the Luke Cage that you see, Jessica Jones, evolves to a certain extent in our show. But will fit right back into season two of Jessica or in Iron Fist or wherever else you know he may end up. You know? I, yeah, you mentioned Marco. You guys have got to hit it off because I interviewed him at Daredevil. He's a big hip hop guy too, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, Marco. I mean, everyone's, everyone's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like I mean, you know, um, and that's really been been the most fun thing about it is that um, well, it's not like a hippie. It's, 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 it's a very communal experience mm-hmm. because we're all super geeks. We all love this world. We all love this genre. We would hang out with each other even if we weren't getting paid to do it. But the fact that we are makes it better. <laughs> I mean, but that's the whole thing is that, like, we're enthusiastic about what we do. 
And I think that enthusiasm is what you're seeing um, as these shows are released and the enthusiasm is because it's, it permeates the entire process. Everybody involved in it is proud to be a part of it. I mean, like that, that's what, like when I see the, um, the season two uh, Daredevil trailers, all I see is that passion. And that's where it's just like, man, you know, like the, the coolest part of my job is that I have a queue with all 13 episodes. And I get to watch them anytime I want. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys can't see them yet. But, well, this will be out after they've seen them. But right now, man, I'm jealous too. <laughs> you know, but it's, but it's cool. You know, <laughs> like that's when, you know, even though there are parts of my job where I'm up all night and it's crazy. The other part is like, I, this, that's cool. <laughs> you know, the, the fact that I get to do that, you know, um, and the fact that I'm part of a company that puts out stuff like that mm -hmm. is great, you know? So you mentioned that, what, what is your Twitter for fans who want to get in a debate with you? Can we... I'm such, <laughs> I'm such a Luddite, I really couldn't tell <laughs> I mean, it's just, right now it's just my name. I okay. mean, like, there's nothing to follow yet. I, I still got to fully set it up. But I, I was, at, I was very, at the very least, Cheo period Coker or Cheo Coker is, is, is you know, my, my Twitter. I mean, I'll, I'll have something better hopefully soon where I can have like an actual page and the whole nine. I mean, I know I'm, I'm sound really stupid right now, and people are going to be worried, like, God, if he can't accept a Twitter account, how the hell is he going to, you know, run, run a TV show? show? <laughs> but the answer is that there are a lot of talented people around me. So, who don't have Twitter. So, you know. <laughs> well, thanks again, man. I'm excited for this. This is going to be great. No, thank you. This, is, this has been a blast. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, watch Marvel's Luke Cage only on Netflix. This is Marvel your universe.